Hi, this is Sarah. Welcome to Around the Gavel. This is episode three, I think. We are going to be talking about funding your trust. Um, and as always, if you want to dig deeper into this, you can always give me a call. We offer complimentary consults um, by phone, or you can come in in person as well. Um, but that'll be a paid consult. Okay, so one of the things that comes up a lot is when you when we talk about people passing away a lot of people have living trust that's a very typical kind of trust that you can have um, and the problem is i don't think people understand that even if they set up the living trust they have to make sure that they continue to fund it throughout the years so this came up very recently for me i had a client call me her mother passed away her mother had a living trust and she she had created the living trust about 10 years ago, put her house into it, thought that was all she needed to put into it, and didn't touch it again. Unfortunately, she also had a, a stock market account and also some government bonds. She did not put them in the trust. So the daughter called me because, of course, we had to figure out how to put them in the trust. The answer is you have to actually go to probate court. It's going to be a much faster proceeding than regular probate, but you still have to go to court and your heirs, your beneficiaries, are going to have to deal with it. So most of the time people set up trusts and set up estate plans because they want to protect their heirs. A lot of times it's their children or their spouses, somebody in the family they're trying to protect and make it easier for them when they pass away. Um, so the problem here is that she didn't put her stock account or her bonds into the trust, so we had to petition the court so that the court would put them into the trust. So it took, I think I want to say like three and a half months from start to finish to get this done. Uh, once it was done, and then she, it wasn't just a quick and easy thing. We get a court order that says these thing, these items should be placed into the trust, which is what we got. But then she needs to go to this, the brokerage provide the court order, fill out some additional paperwork in order for it to actually get transferred to the trust. And because this was a living trust, and many trusts are living trusts, um, the, usually the way living trusts work is they're called living because when the person is still alive, they're in existence. When the person passes away and certain things happen, then the idea is they're going to distribute everything in the trust and the trust is going to cease to exist. That's why it's living for when the person is living and then it's distributed upon the person's death. The person being the person that actually sets the trust up. So I mention this because the court is going to order them to be put into the trust, but then ultimately the trust document governs. And the tr this trust, in this case, said once I pass away, once the trustor, settlor, the mother, passes away, then all the funds in the trust, all the assets are going to be distributed to my daughter. So she actually had to go through two, an extra step because she had to get the court to order it to be put in the trust. So then the stock uh, brokerage account as well as the bonds were had to go into the trust first. But then after they were safely put into the trust, she would then have to take an additional step to get it placed into her own name because that's ultimately what the trust's purpose was, is to place... The, the stock and the, um, the bonds into the daughter's name. So if you understand, we have two-step process now. If she had correctly put them in the trust name to begin with, 
her daughter would not have had to go to court and spend the money, which was out of her own pocket, ultimately, to go to court and do this. And then, once she did that, then she had to put it into her own name. If the trust had been funded properly, then all she would have had to do is actually get those, the bonds and the stock account into her own name by showing a copy of the trust. Of course, every entity or type of asset has a different uh, way, that procedure for putting, getting property into, from a trust into the beneficiary's name, but it ultimately has to involve showing a copy of the trust, which says that it needs to go into the beneficiary's name. So the lesson here is just make sure you create a trust and you just constantly keep it updated. Now, just to also mention, whenever we create a trust, we always do what's called a pour-over will. Uh, that's always part of the package. The pour-over will is called a pour-over will because it's basically a safety provision saying, here's my will, everything I forgot to put in the trust when I pass away goes into the trust. So you've got that safety provision in there. Problem is, if you do forget to put it in the trust, then the the, the child or whoever you leave behind is going to have to go to court to do it. So to save them the hassle of having to do that, the hassle and the costs, you're going to want to always fund your trust. So for example, when you purchase, maybe you sell your home, right? Because that's a very traditional thing to put into a living trust. You sell, you put the, the home into the living trust and then five years pass and you decide you want a new home. So you sell that home and you buy a new home. Well, you need to make sure that you put the new home in the trust so that it's already in there because you don't want something to happen and then you pass away and your kids have to go to court to get it put into the trust and then ultimately put into their own names. So I just wanted to make sure we touched on that because I think it's a lot of times something people don't think about. They just think, okay, I've got a trust set up. I'm good to go. They don't think about making sure, you know, a couple years down the line, whether or not they also have put everything new into the trust as well. That includes, and I'm talking for living trusts, we're talking mostly about major assets, okay, like houses, yes, IRAs, stocks, bonds. And again, it all depends on your individual estate plan, what you're actually going to need to put or what you should and should not put into a living trust. Um, but you just want to make sure you're constantly funding it when necessary. And if you have any questions, you can always call the attorney that created the trust or you can call my office, of course. I'm always happy to help. Um, <clears throat> and that kind of takes us into one other thing I want to say today is with living trusts in particular, there's always the power to amend or revoke. So if life something happens, life changes, you want to change everything or you want to get rid of the trust or you just want to amend it and add a new person in there or get rid of somebody, that's something that you can do at any time. Um, you can always, again, call your attorney, call us. We can do it. I just did one for a guy. This is the third time he's come in and he's amended his trust three times with me to change the beneficiaries because he keeps... Um, getting into fights with different family members. So um, there's generally in living trust the ability to revoke or amend, so you can always change things as you go, which is one of the beauties of a living trust. So I think that's all I have for now. As always, if you want to dig deeper, dive into this, have more questions, you can give me a call, um, and I'd be happy to talk to you. Thank you.